0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to On the Homefront. My name is John Murphy. Very happy to share some time with you on the radio. You might be catching us live on WILI AM 1400 or 95.3 on the FM. We also videotape our shows for the WILI YouTube channel, where they're available for 24 access on any device, so our guests get a chance to get their information out in as many ways as possible. So either way, we're happy to have you here with us. For the second part of the show later on, we're going to hear from Bev York with an update from the America Museum. But for the first good half of the show, we're going to focus again on maternal and child health care, the birthing unit at Wyndham Hospital, and the restructuring of health care delivery across Connecticut and how it's playing out in different areas of the state. But we're going to begin today with the review of the vigil at the state capitol last week, and I want to thank our guests for being here again. Right, sitting right next to me is Brenda Bookbinder. She is from the Wyndham United to Save Our Healthcare Coalition. It's great to have you back, Brenda. Thank you thank for being you, here. Thank you, and
1: thank you for asking us back.
0: And also sharing the studio with Susan Johnson. She's our state rep here for the Wyndham area, and she's also the deputy majority leader. And she's a fellow co-host here on Fridays of the program here on WILI. So it's good to have you as a radio person as well, Susan.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me here. I, we really appreciate that, and we appreciate uh, this the, being focused on the topic for maternal health care.
0: So maybe a good launching pad is how things went for you last Friday. I saw some TV coverage because you were in public and you were in, you know, at the Capitol. That always gets some attention how do you think the success was for your goals for the day
2: Uh,
0: I think it
1: is it was an important day in terms of um, as we had a sponsored bus Mm -hmm. by the um, Universal Health Foundation of Connecticut paid for the bus so it was a free for anybody who wanted to come to Hartford uh, and uh, we had people all the way from uh, the Northeast corner uh, we had a nurse there with 30 years of maternity delivery experience there we had teachers uh, we had members of the NAACP in the uh, Latino community um, and there were speakers um, the enthusiasm was really pretty wonderful we had an empty cradle in the front there, Mm -hmm. and uh, we had interviews afterwards. Uh, Some of the reporters wanted to talk to members that had spoken and and ask about that. So in terms of getting the community voice out there again, uh, it's been very difficult. Um, This is kind of dragged on for uh, three years without a maternity unit and two years after the certificate of need hearing. And uh, our voices were certainly heard that day. And um, the following year, um, the state came and said that uh, Hartford Healthcare Corporation had not met five of the eight benchmarks for health right. to close it, and so they denied the closure.
2: Right,
1: and then Hartford Healthcare appealed again and said it's not safe. We don't have enough babies, and we don't have enough providers—a um, condition that they created with all the cuts. So this is not something that naturally happened. Right. Um, and as far as I know, this whole past year has been a conversation between the Office of Health Strategy and the hospital to make changes to accommodate childbirth. And so the changes that I know of is that they uh, Hartford HealthCare bought American Ambulance. So now they're getting paid for the ambulances differently. And also they have a medic on board. So the rates of payment are higher. But it's still the arduous trip From Wyndham to Bacchus on the back road, nothing
0: has changed. There's still some very difficult Mm -hmm. stories right here Mm
3: -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm.
0: So at some point, the real logjam, from my understanding, is that a decision has not yet been made on the appeal, and it's been about a year, I believe. So the question is, am I correct? And the big logjam that's preventing anything from moving is this decision about yes or no.
2: Well, I think uh, just let me say something. Please, I don't Couple want to be too simplistic, but I want no. to be clear. But Some it people is know. It, this is not a simple issue at all because we have the monopolization of hospitalizations all throughout the country, right. and so Hartford Health is a monopoly. It's been sued as a monopoly by St. Francis Hospital. Uh, Yale New Haven is a monopoly, and uh, they're taking over pretty much all the health, all the uh, access to hospital health care in the state and so by doing that they have a huge amount of resources and control and what's happened is uh, because of the changes that have occurred, they have a great deal of power. And negotiation is one way the Office of Healthcare Strategy might be able to work out a deal to create access to uh, maternity and delivery here in Wyndham and also throughout the state. But we have to figure out how we're going to do that and what the costs are. So when you talk about them purchasing American Ambulance, that's not for Wyndham. American Ambulance is private it's a private yeah. nonprofit. Wyndham windham has its own uh ambulance services here and one of the one of the five items that they couldn't address was the fact that it did have an impact on the community it did have an impact on our ambulance services by doing this our ambulance services are are taking people here and moving them to other parts of the state to have them have the baby delivered uh, so this is a this is a situation that um has not yet to be been re- resolved, and one of the things that we have to keep in mind when they talk about safety that is absurd because we've had head-on collisions with women in labor going to different hospitals. Yep. we've had deaths in those circumstances. And to imagine being in that situation where you're delivering your baby and then having a head-on collision on the side of the road. Oh, yeah, so this is not this is not safe. There's also a problem with the emergency medical and treatment and delivery law of nineteen eighty six, Mtala, which says that you're not supposed to remove anybody from the hospital while they're in the process of having a, an, an emergent need. And uh, while you're in labor, you're in the process of having a need at being. One addressed. could imagine, right? I, I would think. Yes. I'm glad my, you said that my goodness. <laughs> because bright. that is a that is a problem. So so all of these things, these laws that they're breaking, uh, seem to be going um, really not not being addressed because of the magnitude of their resources and the fact that they are private companies. I was really stunned by one of the uh, editorials in the Chronicle where they indicated that they thought it was public. And obviously, the person who wrote that didn't understand the difference between a public institution like UConn, which is run by the state, or, uh, the, um, or the Veterans Hospital in West Haven, which Why? is run by the federal government, and a private nonprofit corporation, which is really private, and the only thing that gives them the nonprofit status is the federal government under 501c3 of the tax law. And they have to, they're supposed to provide free uh, service to some people. They're supposed to be philanthropic in order to qualify for 501c3 uh, non-profit status. So some of the hospitals have actually gotten rid of their 501c3 status and gone full bore private sector. But others like Hartford Health and Yale New Haven are still working under the illusion uh, with our state that they are somehow providing some philanthropic services. So I have some concerns about that. And uh, another thing that just, you know, the, the way they're administering their health care system uh, is creating problems and it's cost-shifting everything to the local communities that they're located in.
0: Now I want to point everybody to uh, to an article last Sunday uh, Sunday, November 19th in the Hartford Courant. It's in the Sunday Connecticut section front page, and it directly relates to things that I've talked to Susan about that she just mentioned now and in previous shows about what happens when private equity begins to own health care as an ownership, which is – and the purpose is to return on investment – for the stockholders or the owners. So this article says hospital landlord stands to clean up. And I'll just give you the first sentence and then you read it for, uh, for the rest. If Yale New Havens Health proposed $435 million acquisition of three Connecticut hospitals owned by Prospect Medical Holdings, you write that name down, Prospect Medical Holdings, Were to gain state approval, most of the money would go to a company that most state legislators, local leaders, and residents have never heard of, the hospital's landlord. Private equity firms are buying hospital properties and then renting them back to hospitals for profit. And somehow, initially, hospitals may earn a little money on the transaction, but they end up being tenants on land that they used to own. So how do you undo that once it's done? So, my question is this is being made legal because laws are being changed or created. How do citizens impact any of this? Groups like, you know, Brenda's, they go to meetings, it's been a year for an answer. And the question is, at what point are the people considered enough?
2: Well, let me just say this is not a change in the law. This is the law that exists uh, with respect to monopolization, and I refer you to uh, Senator Klobuchar's book, uh, you know, the, the the monopoly book. And so we they have been working. Uh, she has been working in the Senate, United States Senate, yes. to try and address I mean, the monopolization of all kinds of things, and the monopolization of our hospitals. Hospitals all over this all over this country, all over this country, hospital monopolies are closing down. Uh, the maternity and delivery services all over the country it's not just here in Connecticut Right, right and it's always in the rural areas it's always in the poor areas it's always in these areas where you have the poor people and the rural areas this is and you can take a look at the Milbank Foundation I get this information from the Milbank Foundation which is a national organization dedicated to making sure people have access to health care. So if you take a look on their website, I used to be able to meet with them when uh, former Medicaid director uh, Kate McAvoy was the Mm -hmm. Medicaid director, and we would go to Millbank Foundation meetings. And, of course, they have done a lot of wonderful work uh, analyzing the situation, but until we get the national government to address monopolization, until we understand that these things are not public like that like that editorial in the chronicle said <laughs> public. They yeah. are private institutions. Right. And when you have a private institution, they have control. And what That's they've right. been doing uh, for years now, uh, since the 80s, uh, is trying to transfer public entities to the private sector. We did it yep. with our utilities. We're doing it with the hospitals. We're doing it with all kinds of things that were once public and now they're becoming private. So once you privatize something, you give it away. You give away your rights to have a voice to any great degree about what happens uh, to, the, uh, to that particular uh, thing that you uh, had relied upon. And so, I mean, there, there's got to be a way to, uh, to change how monopolies are operating in the healthcare system. But take a peek at another, at all the other countries in the world. Every, everywhere else you go, you have public health, which is run by the government, and it is here in America as well. You yeah. we have public health, but the providers are generally private are generally private, private, private. They're private nonprofits or they're private for-profits. And so when you have that division, you have a real problem in terms of regulation, in terms of enforcing what they're supposed to do. And of course, we adopt uh, public health uh, standards, but get this, <laughs> guess who makes the hospital standards? National Hospital Association, what are they? They're a private nonprofit corporation. They create yeah. all the standards for hospitalizations. Who adopts them? Oh, the Connecticut Hospital Association, which is also a private nonprofit corporation.
0: Yeah. It's very well orchestrated. But, Brenda, no, please go ahead. <laughs>
2: you had asked
1: what we can do, what the average because person can do. my hair is do. on fire. I know, I know. Fire. It sounds so large. It sounds like a David and Goliath story. That, you know, we have a little slingshot, and you've got to make it actually go where it needs to go to stop this process. But um, the situation with Waterbury, Manchester, and Rockville Hospital right. is that Prospect Medical Holdings is the renter. The landlord owns 200 hospitals here and abroad, yep. so they are hands everywhere and not really on the pulse of the community. Um, this, um, uh, the two ver- versions of the story of the, the public health or the community health perspective of this and uh, corporate health. Are very, very different spheres. And the fact that the OHS has spoken to the corporation for a year and not met with the community, Um, and we don't have transparency about the impact of what has happened with all these vulnerable women. Uh, Again, we are the most distressed municipality in Connecticut. That's been identified again, that's right. Again, this year. And how many of them are premature births? Uh, how many of them are C-sections, and we're knowing that it's more than one out of every three is a C-section. Postpartum depression, we're estimating is one out of every five women giving birth will have postpartum depression, which impacts tremendously the quality of life back here.
0: Sure. Um, And the families back home. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I wanted to mention another epidemic, which we are going to be facing without an ICU and without a progressive care unit. And on the website, it says 130 beds for Wyndham Hospital. It went down to 87, and we are now 46 staff beds. And we're now called an acute care short-term hospital, short-term acute care hospital. So not a critical access hospital, but a short-term acute care hospital. So mostly ambulatory surgery. Uh, most of the complicated cases, uh, cases will be farmed out. They will be sent elsewhere. So you go to the emergency room, oh, this is more than we can handle here. And you'll either be put on the Lifestar helicopter sure. or the, the ambulance is down the road. But if weather does not permit, you're stuck.
0: Also, and you know there's the helicopter is no, twenty five thousand no... dollars a ride. Absolutely, each way. Absolutely, so that's, right. that's Absolutely. a major crisis just to get to a place. Yeah, that's
1: yeah. right. I also wanted to mention the Please. story about the uh, the three hospitals: the the um, Waterbury, um, Manchester, Manchester and, and Rockville. They're yep. not able to pay their doctors or surgeons there, so they're not able restricted. to pay their. Yes, restricted. because the rents went up so high yeah. that they can't afford to run the hospital.
0: So yeah, you know, so this is part of the, the this is part of the difficulty I have when I try to do these segments because the history is so complicated, but the reality is not. The reality is people are not being served and they're in trouble, and the undoing is what's so complicated and kind of shuts you down. Uh, here's a question. Yes, sir. as citizens, If an entity wants something, they need a certificate of need, they have to do all the work to justify, to get the approval of a certificate of need. An institution wants to close something down. You said there's eight criteria. They're supposed to follow this process that's already established in order to close it down. And when someone doesn't do that, it breaks. And so the question is, when a practitioner fails in a system that was designed to do the right thing, how do citizens make noise with any impact when the system itself is potentially being abused?
1: Uh, I, I wanted to let you know that our our Facebook page for Windham United to Save Our Healthcare is up and running. We went from 500 uh, members to 800 and some, so it's growing. People want to know. They will call. They will they will ask questions. Um, I think in terms of getting on committees i'm on the critical care committee for the state of connecticut and the rural health subcommittee for uh, comptroller scanlon i've applied for the uh, stretch initiative in connecticut which is going another year that is a a um, uh, a grant from the federal government the cdc Um, one of 10 states in connecticut is one of them to look at health inequities and that's exactly what we're talking about is health inequity, uh, and I'm waiting to hear whether I've been granted. But the, the whole first year of that, they did not come to Wyndham County. So they ignored the most distressed area of the state. They went to Bridgeport, Middletown, some of the other places, but did not come this far. Uh, I want to get on the committee because I want them to know what's going on here.
0: Well, just in case you've joined us uh, on the radio show, we're talking today with Brenda Bookbinder from the Windy, United to Save Our healthcare Coalition and State Representative Susan Johnson, who's also our Deputy Majority Leader. We're talking about health care in Connecticut. We're going to take a short break for a couple of messages and then come back and talk about birthing centers that were approved last year. And that's another way to try to provide some health care that we're going to ask Susan to talk about. Don't go away. Now, after the birthing unit, are there other things you wanted to touch on while we have time? So the RSV, oh, the <laughs> new good. RSV, okay. yeah,
1: the, the virus. hmm Yeah.
0: Is this mm-hmm. something about the incidence of, uh, or just making sure people get their shots?
1: Um, I'm not sure. What that... it involves pregnant women mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. preemies are very much at risk.
0: Okay. And
1: uh, children that are born with cystic fibrosis. Oh my um, goodness. Okay. Autoimmune disease, and particularly Native American and, Al- and Alaska Native people have higher rates of RSV for their babies. So, okay. Yeah, I mean, educating people on the signs of that. Uh, lack of appetite is the first thing, then then a cough, um, okay. and then fever and uh, difficulty swallowing. I'll and be for pe- sure to mention yeah, that. yeah, I have a list of the. So, Susan,
0: yeah. when we come back, maybe you could mention the whole idea of the birthing unit and how it's been Sure, proposed. sure, yeah. And, and are there other things yeah. you wanted to touch on? We have I some time. I want to give you <laughs> anything. I don't want sure.
2: to. Sure. We'll just um, talk about the birthing center and yeah. how it's going to require, you know, a the lot hospital. of an- analysis. And it's something right. that we're going to be looking at because uh, we're going to have problems throughout the state with respect to, uh, you know, del- maternity and delivery. So it's yeah. uh, something that. Uh, there's a number of ways maybe we can do that. We've talked for years about this. Ever since this, uh, the closing of the uh, maternity and delivery at Wyndham Hospital, we're talking about that. And of mm. course, uh, working with generations, working with federally mm-hmm. qualified health centers, maybe involving our um, you know federal legislators. Uh, to try and uh, make the connection to start making a public institution instead of private institutions for uh, you know maternity and delivery maybe make it into public like our federally qualified health center instead of having it a nonprofit let's uh-huh. go let's go public all the way yeah. uh, for our babies uh, if they if, as particularly if you want to do it in rural areas you want to shut them down in rural areas maybe we can finally convince um you know, nationally, um, people to maybe start with the Millbank Foundation, start with mm-hmm. uh, the federally qualified health centers to start thinking about how to create public uh, maternity Time. and delivery One services. Because okay. uh, yeah. I think the making, uh, making more services public uh, will give more, um, more people a voice in uh, how they're getting their yeah. access to health care
0: they just had an article recently that compared healthcare delivery in several different countries i think it was political somebody did a little comparison oh interesting and it was very well timed with how radically different other countries are and sometimes how much simpler Oh, yes. But that's another conversation for another show. Well, I mean, not necessarily.
2: Out. I mean, it's 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 really what we have to start talking about how mm-hmm. to make it more. Yeah. I mean, just think. Back in the day, people had the babies at home, right? And, sure. Uh, and then all of a sudden, guys took over. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs>
0: talk about income streams <laughs> the worst possible <laughs> analysis, and they took soda. over back in the what 1920s
2: yeah. Yeah. or so yeah. and all of a sudden you couldn't have a baby anywhere but in the hospital with a doctor that was a man
0: 30 seconds or they're pushing <laughs> okay. c-sections yeah.
2: well there's that there's the money 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 for the yeah. for the uh, yeah. c-sections yeah. as well yeah. mm-hmm. and also advertising that you could have your baby uh, and get back to work so sure. you know you can time it when you're when you're right. work, when your work Never mind the lower. first
0: six months with Jim. Right? <laughs> oh, it's a matter of scheduling. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Three, Three, two, one. one.
0: Okay, we're back on the home front. Very happy to have you with us, whether it's on YouTube or live on WILI. We're continuing our conversation today with Brenda and Susan about healthcare. Something that happened recently is the idea of birthing centers as another alternative way to provide uh, support for women and families in that situation. Uh, Susan, you wanted to share about uh, how that started last semester, and there's a whole process underway to try to figure out how practical that can be.
2: Absolutely, right. and we do have a birthing center in Danbury that's right, very, very close by to Danbury Hospital. So I just want to say it's... But to have legislation that was uh, proposed and passed, uh, proposed by Governor Lamont and passed uh, in the General Assembly, to make sure that birthing centers are available all throughout the state is something that I'm very, very pleased about. I'm glad it's the first step. It's 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 the first step because what we need, wherever you have a birthing center, you must always have a hospital that is able to take uh, someone who has some type of difficulty with the pregnancy and uh, can take over right there close by.
0: Because you never know.
2: You you just don't ever know. And that's that's one of the things that, I mean, has been kind of... Uh, ignored by uh, uh, most people in the population uh, who haven't had a baby, uh, that uh, these things are not just automatic. <laughs> they, these things uh, require doctors, and of course, uh, back in the day before doctors, we had midwives. We had uh, women who were very, very focused on uh, understanding and delivering babies. Now we have doulas, and now we have doulas, and we have APRNs, mm-hmm. and we have people who who are we like to give. Uh, the delivery, maternity delivery back to women, make make, uh, make this all about women controlling uh, their deliveries, their babies, their bodies, so that they have control. But we have to do it in a scientific way, and that's going to have to be something that we need to take a look at. So we have, like I mentioned before, we have two types of uh, hospitals, uh, three actually. You have for-profit, non-profit, which are private sector. They're run by private Private groups, and then you've got the two that are public, which are UConn and the um, you know uh, West Haven uh, Veterans Hospital right. that are run by the government. And I think that we do have federally qualified health centers as well, so it might be a good idea to bring together a group of people throughout the state to see whether or not we can make uh, delivery, birthing, and delivery that kind of thing into a public, uh, public institution, so that women are always guaranteed to have, um, you know, good health care, and uh, the regulation about how it's done is done by the public. the people have a voice where the women have a voice in terms of how it's done where it's located so you're not running uh, have delivering in a helicopter or in an ambulance that gets into a head-on collision and so these are not safe ways to deliver a baby and I think that people who are in that situation who are delivering babies who are pregnant want to have that security because it is a very very intense time for the family and for the person who is delivering the baby very very intense and so it's not something that's just uh,
0: automatic so one thing I wanted to ask Brenda while we have some time is because this issue is still pressing and ongoing and they're still waiting to have an answer about the closing of the unit uh, maybe you can mention your Facebook page or how people can follow your work throughout the year to stay on top of things locally
1: okay uh, we have to thank uh, Connor Linsky who did the article in front page of The Current. Yes. Uh, we thank him for that and, again, for the information out to the public. Um, again, um, we are, we will do what we can to get town announcements out there, uh, talk to the legis- uh, legislators locally in town to get information out. So it's out. mainly Facebook for but you? It's per, it's Person-to-person, person, really. Person-to-person? Person-to-person, wow. absolutely. Okay. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the medical mission. That is the public um, benefit uh, effort that Hartford Healthcare Corporation is doing in the community. And so they'll do several hours of screenings uh, or bring some clothing, cold weather clothing, and drop it off. And that's what they do for the public. Meanwhile, back at the hospital, things are being cut, consolidated, and shrunk. So it, it, it's, it's a very confusing message that there's a generosity at a certain amount with the community, but then back in the hospital things are very different. And so um, I have this statement of equity commitment from Hartford HealthCare that just came out with our Thanksgiving message. We commit to specific actions that measurably improve access, intentionally eliminate barriers, and create opportunity for all.
2: Except the delivering women in, in Wyndham. Uh. One of the most common medical things that occurs yeah. is, is uh, the fact that uh, women have babies, and, and, um, and that is a very common medical thing. Yeah. And, of course, uh, I think that a lot of times we forget uh, the amount of science that we've uh, been able to develop over the last 50 years or so. The scientific uh, community with respect to medicine is really advanced and so women are able to have babies that back in the day wouldn't have happened. Because or they wouldn't the... have
0: made it through the yeah. birth. Something okay. Exactly. Right.
2: Yes. Precisely. Yes. So that is that is one of the things that I think we have to keep in mind. This is a way different situation than it was 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's been Uh, fully inculcated in the minds of the public exactly what it is because um, you know most of the time things go well but a lot of the times they don't too so and uh, then there are people struggling to have little ones and uh, there's a lot of science there as well so it's really something that we have to really give some thought about and really address what it means uh, to have a baby what you go through and uh, where you deliver the baby, what is it going to be like? And I'll just, one little anecdote. Uh, back in the day when my grandmother was going to have a baby, mm-hmm. my, my father, uh, she was way out in the middle of no place in a very rural area. So what she did is she went by horse and buggy to the nearest town, uh, which was a couple of days ride. Wow. And she would go went there a couple of months before she was due to deliver. So are we saying that we want to have women now uh, go to a place where it's closer, spend a month or so just before they deliver near a hospital? I mean, what are we saying here? Well, the this is, this state isn't set up that way. Right. And uh, it's not ever been that way. And uh, so we're not really, I mean, even though this Wyndham Hospital is classified as rural, it's because there's no highway going in and out of here. Uh, it still is, uh, we still uh, expect to have access to health care within a very short radius. So and that's how a lot of the, uh, a lot of the other different uh, insurance programs. Our our pro our setup. so it's a regional area of about twenty you know miles or so fifteen miles in the region and then um, you know so you have a hospital there and that's how Connecticut's set though we're losing hospitals here just like they are all over the country.
0: Well, you know, in a way you look at it, they carve them up like franchise areas. Yes, they do. Contiguous towns, cable TV's done that way. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of businesses that carve it up that way. That's
2: right. That's exactly. That's exactly
1: right. We have lost uh, over 30 hospitals and, that were community-based hospitals already, and as Wyndham continues to get smaller and shrunken in its offerings, my concern uh-huh. is that at some point will they say, "Well, we don't need it." And um, so it's a worry. It's a worry that I have. Um, as far as uh, benefits of a birthing center, um, they they predict that it's 80 percent of simple births and 20 percent of complicated ones. Out of the complicated ones, they reduce the C-section rate to 10 to 15 percent, compared to the hospital ones of over 30 33 percent. That's dramatic. It's a, it's very dramatic. So uh, it would be a good thing to have one here and backup delivery. Right. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a federal center or whatever would be a good thing. One last thing, uh, without an ICU and our progressive care unit closed, we have a new virus coming out affecting pregnant women and uh, infants, particularly preemies. It's called respiratory syncystial virus, or RSV, and it is the top uh, cause of hospitalization for infants.
0: Wow, that's been in the news lately. People are hearing RSV. They're seeing ads to get the vaccine. Absolutely,
1: a vaccine's been recommended for pregnant women during the weeks thirty-two to thirty-six of pregnancy. I don't know if women know that. And for preemies who are particularly at risk, there is a a vaccine for them as well that will protect them for up to six months of age. Most babies get through it without hospitalization, but those who are at risk are this list. Okay. Okay. And their risk goes between the ages of 8 and 19 months, so it goes longer. And that's with chronic uh, disease of prematurity, lung disease of prematurity, Their lungs are not. Uh, fully developed, Um, severe immunocompromised, cystic fibrosis, Mm. and uh, Native American and Alaskan Native children with that heritage are at high risk. Yeah,
0: that's Mm -hmm. Mm life-altering. That's Mm -hmm. definitely Mm -hmm.
1: true. So again, without an ICU, without a PCU, um, if a preemie comes in there, uh, are they going to put them in the helicopter? Are they going to put them down the ambulance, down the road? Um,
2: yeah. One, one, little thing about that, and that is uh, because they've shut so much down here. Uh, we've heard some uh, people who work in the uh, Backus Hospital in Norwich say that they are overwhelmed with uh, the volume of patients that are coming from this area. So we have a, we have a real problem in terms of staffing, in terms of uh, just uh, trying to take care of people who are coming. Uh, from this area that never used to go there, so they are still overwhelmed. Uh, the last I heard a few months ago, uh, that, that it's still ongoing. So this is a, this is a problem. This is not something that they've done a very good job of solving. And uh, they are making, of course, to be able to document that is another thing because this is something you hear from people in the area uh, based on somebody who had a family member there or whatnot. So right. you know, you just don't you don't know for sure. But this is uh, something that I've heard more than once, and it's uh, it's an interesting uh, thing that they're doing uh, with the impact on the Bacchus Hospital too.
0: Yeah. Well, we've been covering this for a year and a half uh, with the coalition, and we'll have these folks back later in the winter, uh, hopefully maybe in December or early January when we can get a decision and have some more concrete news to share with you. In the meantime, look up the Millbank Foundation that Susan mentioned, and I'm going to check out the Senator Klobuchar book. I've heard that reference several places as a really loaded reference.
2: <laughs> it's a great reference, and it yeah. also mentions the American Threat Co- Corporation, which was an international monopoly back in the day. Right. So I just thought I'd throw yes. that in there everybody <laughs> – might your book sales go up <laughs>
0: you're helping me keep willimantic weird what can i say <laughs> thank you susan for that that's a chestnut and thank you brenda for being here as well a
2: pleasure
1: absolute pleasure okay. and i wish everyone a happy healthy peaceful and safe thanksgiving yes okay.
2: happy thanksgiving. thanksgiving to everybody yes
0: okay so we will continue the story in the weeks ahead you, you stay with us we'll take a break for some music after all this heaviness we're going to have a couple of minutes of some light and love and some nice friendly energy and then we're going to talk about the America Museum with Bev York. Don't go away. Okay, we're back live on the home front. We're very happy to have you with us. Once again, our programs are live on WILI AM 1400 and 95.3 FM. They're also video recorded for YouTube. We have a YouTube channel on WILI for all of our five o'clock shows and you're happy to catch the shows anytime on any device. And the whole idea is to give our guests as many ways to reach you as possible. So Bev York is finishing her yoga. To assemble herself here. It's been very nice to have Beth here many times. She's a storyteller, a historian, very committed to the growth of our community, and she's here to talk about her work with the American Museum. She has some special events coming up, and we're going to let you share the good news right now, Beth. Thanks for being here today.
3: Well, thank you very much. It's nice to be here. Thank you, John. You bet. Um, so the American Museum is... A project that is located with programming and exhibits inside the Eastern Connecticut Veterans Community Center, right? Which is on uh, Crescent Street, the old Senior Center, and before that, it was the Oak School. Wow, a
0: little bit of history there too.
3: <laughs> yes, it was. You bet. Yes, it is. Um, so, next Monday, which is um, Monday, November twenty-seventh. I'm doing my next liberty. These programs, where we we do serve tea, but they are basically programs about people who have um, made a huge difference in preserving and securing our democracy in the United States. And this is somebody that I is near and dear to my heart, um, Anna Harris, who is known as Mother Jones, and she was. Wow. Okay. In the 1800s, a labor leader, um, and she was concern, considered the most dangerous woman in America. Um, I not only uh, speak about her, but I will impersonate her. So I would. This is this is seeing somebody. Acting out.
0: Well, you have done that before with other people, and you do incarnate things. I have to say, you (laughs) have a gift of the story, but also knowing enough of the person, it comes through in your body language and in your eye contact as you use the words. It's it's really profound. I've seen a few. Thank you.
3: Yes, Uh, Mother Jones is an amazing individual. She, um, all of her family died in the yellow fever epidemic. Uh, in the 1860s, and then she went to Chicago and opened a dressmaking shop, which was something that women could do to support themselves, and then Chicago burned down in the Great Chicago Fire. She lost everything, and then she dedicated the rest of her life to helping people, um, and many of them were coal coal miners and so forth. Um, And then after that, the, the December uh liberty is very exciting so this is going to be on december 16th um it is going to be a reenactment of the boston tea party so the boston tea party which is the first major protest for the war of it before the war of independence and on december 16th this is the this is the 250th anniversary to the day this is when it happened 250 years ago on December 16th, people met at the Old South Church in Boston. They dressed up and disguised themselves as Mohawk Indians. And then they went on three ships and threw 342 cases of tea into the harbor. So we're going to meet at Heritage Park. We're going to dump some tea over the over the gate, over the fence, <laughs> into the Willimantic River, Uh Tied with ropes so that we can retrieve it. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I was wondering about that. Say, okay. Yeah, no, I'm not going to pollute uh, the river. I can't do that. That's a special kind of permit, eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm, a permit? What? What permit? <laughs> um, we're going to reenact it, and people will be able to get a role. I'll give them a role of an actual person. Um, wow. They can disguise themselves. I'll have stuff if they want to do that, and we're going to act it out. We're going to learn about the issues of what was the issue of the taxes and the tea, And then we're going to act it out so bring the kids bring the family this is going to be a wonderful educational opportunity for everybody to participate
0: let me jump in for one quick second because this is also a fantastic journalism and media story because this is all about the stamp act from the crown They were upset that we had a printing press over here and that we were printing our own publications against the crown and talking to ourselves. So they passed this crazy law that said every piece of paper had to have a stamp on it so they could control who got the paper, what they did with it, and where they were and that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back and that tea party was a fuse and the news of that event really triggered the colonies to wake up to say yeah there's a lot of people really ticked off it's not just me and something's going to have to happen right that opened the door
3: that's exactly right okay awesome story awesome um so so i hope that people who love history or want to learn about these things will will come and support these events and Um, and embrace and also interact and get involved. Um, So there's something happening. I'm also involved with the Jolson House uh, Museum. I'm on the board. And this weekend we have a very exciting event. So um, uh, this Friday at six o'clock, there's the the light parade, the lighted vehicles, and that's very exciting. It's getting bigger every year. Then they light the Christmas tree, and the Christmas tree is right next to the Jolson House. So the Jolson House Museum, uh, one of the early industrialists William Jolson built the house in the 1820s, and it's a museum. And it's the museum of the of all Wyndham history. It's the Wyndham Historical Society, and they have an event called Sounds of the Season. Every room is decorated to it in a different theme and in every room there will be live musicians singing or playing music that goes with the theme.
0: Wonderful. Wow. So
3: in my favorite room that I was working on is the room that's all blue and the song is Blue Christmas. I'm and um, that actually has a connection to WILI. So I don't know if you know this, but
0: tell me, tell me, my ears are burning. Christmas,
3: <laughs> blue Christmas, that was that Elvis sang in yes. 1964. The lyrics were co-written by Jay Johnson, who was a part-time WILI radio DJ. Wow.
0: Fantastic. I did not know that. Probably <laughs> Colin knows. Wow.
3: Uh, I think he knows. Uh, Wayne knows. So, yeah, so that's pretty exciting. So one of the rooms is Blue Christmas, and then we have White Christmas, and then we have Toyland. and
0: Will somebody I, be in Gold LeMay? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. you got to go, right? you got to do it. you got to do it. Sorry, I had to do so, that. I had to
3: do it. So um, this is a fundraiser. We're um, charging for adults, asking for a donation. Kids are free. And so, before the tree lighting and after the tree lighting, we want people to come inside and see these wonderful decorations and hear the music and join in singing, and it'll be a very festive time. We're also so it'll be Friday, and then also on Saturday, there's a a Christmas fest, a holiday fest inside the um, Shabu stage, and we'll be doing it again on Friday from one to four. So I'm sorry, Saturday. Saturday. So if you miss it on Friday evening, you could also come on Saturday to Sounds of the Season at the Jilson House Museum. So let's
0: mention a website or two. So people, because things happen throughout the year. You've got special things, but there's always stuff going on. Mention those websites. People can jot it down.
3: So one of the things that I want the listeners to know, if they don't already, um, I'm many of the museums and the cultural and art organizations in this area not just Wyndham but the surrounding region have put together a partnership and one of the projects is a website and a Facebook page called Everything Eastern Connecticut see everythingeasternct.com so anybody can go on there you can load your events and um so we have we have a place now where all people can put their events, and if and if you're looking for what's going on this weekend, this is the place to go. So for both people who are posting events and people who are looking for what's happening, everythingeasternct.com, and um, we're hoping that this is going to be really great. It's uh, Wyndham is working on a new website, but that'll be just Wyndham, and this is sort of the region. So if you come to something in Lebanon and you want to know what's going on in Willimaneck, you can you know, combine activities and um, you know, where, where to go to eat and where to go to shop, and it's, it's going to be a great thing.
0: You know, I've had you on the program now for so many years. One thing I've noticed is that overall, people are more interested in history and the connection from now to then. And when you do those presentations at the museum, people connect their own dots. And I wondered for Mother Jones, that's such a historic figure. And labor today is coming back after being really, not put aside, but not really shining a light on labor so much the last few years. It's coming around, some big strikes, some workers are getting uh, like a better deal. But can you talk about Mother Jones and the history and what she embodied that made her so dangerous in the first place? (laughs) Who was
3: afraid of her? Oh well, in those days, you had huge conflict between management and labor, and um, the unions at the time, actually, early in her uh, in her earlier in her early career of being a labor leader, most of the unions were just men, and they were just white men, and they were uh, trades and crafts. And then in 1905, there was a union called the Wobblies. That's it right. Was, IWW. <laughs> the IWW. And it was um, considered a little bit radical, but they were going to represent women, children, ch- child labor, yep. um, immigrants, all labor. The IWW had uh, came here to Willow Manick for some of the strikes and also had a... Office here for for a short time.
0: How cool that was! A Willimantic <laughs> office for yes, the Wobblies.
3: Exactly. Um, so throughout history, in the 1930s, with uh, Roosevelt and a lot of the changes, we got a minimum wage. We got minimum age. We got rid of child labor. We got um, a forty-hour week and a social lot of social security it, was finally social set. security. Oh, right. um, there were many many benefits that the unions fought really hard for. And paid overtime, things like that. Um, And the opportunity for some of these uh, uh, occupations to have health insurance, which we know today is a huge issue. And so those things were good. And actually, union membership declined over maybe the last couple of generations. Well, now, open a newspaper. Does anybody read read newspapers anymore? Or listen to your local station, you will hear that there are strikes everywhere. Um, coffee shops, major s- things are going on strike as we speak. So, labor is unhappy. They are unhappy with being understaffed. They are un- overworked, um, and so they're looking for some fair treatment. And it's so it's kind of coming again. It's raising its head that even though sure. we have these laws for for to protect the la- to protect workers. Um, not all the laws are also enforced, so that, that's problematic.
0: Well, you know, since uh, the '90s, I guess the whole wave of globalization across the planet. This is when the, you know the wobblies, the IWW could be more popular now than hundred years ago because of the change in who owns. Oh, like, if you're unhappy, with, you know, with the business, what country do you go to? What court do you go to? Right. Right. That's the thing. And if you're in a foreign country, quote, foreign, it just means, well, that's from your point of view. It's foreign to me. It's my home pal. But, you know, the whole idea of labor trying to deal with the incredible financial success that we're enjoying in a world that's on fire. Our economy is cranking out the bucks. And the question you're asking is, how does it get spread around without being called a communist That's our problem. We don't even want to talk about income distribution. Right. Right. So that's where these figures have paid the price, and I'm glad that you're here. I want to mention this again. Mother Jones is going to be in November. It's going to be next Monday,
3: correct? Correct. Say that again, next Monday. Next Monday, the 27th at 4 p.m. at the Veterans Community Center at 47 Crescent Street. And it's free, and uh, we are accepting donations, of course, but everybody is welcome to come.
0: That's so cool. And also I want to mention, too, something I've covered uh, you know, recently is the rise in tenant unions across the state. People are really under stress, and there's an organization, there's a tenant union here in Wyndham, there's one in Putnam, there's 10 right now across the state, and we've had them on the air talking about organizing because tenants right now are in a very bad situation. And landlords are, too, because the tenants, if they can't pay rent, landlords can't do what they need to do. So it's a real broken system right mm-hmm, now. Right. And we're trying to cover that as well as health care here, because people are really struggling, and having the information is everything, and the history. How do we get to where we are today? Right. So Bev, I want to thank you for being here and for all the work you do to keep this history alive. That Tea Party thing in December, that's going to be awesome. I'll be there. That's great. going to be a great day. And well, thank I thank you, you very much. Oh, thanks for being here. Thank you. Okay, our time always flies on the home front. If you'd like to be here in the studio or have some news to share, use the email john at humanartsmedia.com. And we'll see you next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Keep the faith.